Hello listeners, welcome back to Cloyster Bell. Today we are going back to a comic called Doctor Who and the Star Beast. The TARDIS Cloyster Bell. Imminent disaster. The Cloyster Bell? Yes. What's that? Well, it's a sort of communications device reserved for wild catastrophes and sudden calls to man the battle stations. That's the Cloister Bell. Don't worry about that for now. It's not really terribly significant. The Cloister Bell? Oh, no. Hello, and welcome back to Cloister Bell, a Doctor Who podcast brought to you by the generous support of our lovely patrons, hosted by us. I'm Rob. I'm Liam. Hi, Liam. All right. Yes, all is well. How about you? All good, thanks. Uh, This is the penultimate episode of the podcast. The end is coming. Until we come back later on in the year. Yeah. (laughs) Just building up the tension. Yeah, today we're going to revisit a fourth Doctor story. Ooh, don't do many of those. (laughs) And the reason we're doing this is because this particular story is being adapted for television and it'll be the first of the David Tennant specials we'll be getting over the 60th. In this instance, I think it's going to be a retelling and that's not something necessarily new to Doctor Who. We've had that with stories like Human Nature, Family of Blood, which was adapted from a Virgin New Adventure story starring the seventh Doctor. We've had it with Blink, it was adapted from the Sally Sparrow Ninth Doctor um, storybook. I'm sure we've had some more. Maybe Dalek would be an example. Yes, Vaguely yes. adapted from yeah, yeah. Jubilee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's nothing new. Whether this kind of disregards the comic or whatever, um, how do you take this uh, when stories are adapted? I don't mind it as, as such, actually. I mean, I've got this... Uh, this view of adap- adaptions in general, anyway, because we always, ha- you know, it's, um, we've always had extremely popular novels, for example, um, adapted into TV series and um, and films. Um, my thing is, as long as you try and do your own thing with it. So, if you're transposing one form of medium into another, and you're trying to do a carbon copy of that, that I can't. I don't understand the purpose of that because it's like, well, we've already got the original. Why try and replicate it? But if there's something about it that you you really, really love uh, and appreciate, but you want to do your own take on it in a way, that I think is much, you know, that's much more interesting and sort of a much more valid approach. So, you know, famously, um, Stanley Kubrick adapted Stephen King's The Shining. It clearly takes a lot of inspiration from the novel, but also clearly does a heck of a, you know, it's, effectively it's its own original work to the point where Stephen King famously <laughs> does not like the film. <laughs> but for me, it's like, oh, Stephen King, you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, you read the book, but whatever. The film's really, really good. Um, so in terms of Doctor Who, it's it's very much the same thing for me. If you've got something which is really well respected, whether it's like Dalek, which was the big Finnish audio, uh, Jubilee, I think you said it was called, um or with, with human nature, with the David Tennant stuff, fine, but as, as long as you're doing your own thing with it. Now, of course, what's sort of interesting is, but how does that affect the continuity? I know for for a lot of people, continuity is a, a big deal for them. For me, it's not. I'm not really bothered about continuity, especially when you've got something which has been going on for 
such a long time, like Doctor Who, which is about to celebrate its 60th anniversary. I mean, how could you possibly do something new, original, and what have you, if you were just constantly looking at the past? Obviously, there's certain things which you would um, expect Doctor Who to be respective of continuity. I mean, the obvious one is what the TARDIS looks like. Um, that's established continuity, and you keep that, and it's looks like a police box. It's bigger on the inside than it is the out. But in terms of narrative, as long as the the continuity is kept within a season, I suppose you know, mm, yeah, that I'm ha- yeah that I'm happy with. So at least uh, at least a year of Doctor Who makes sense. But otherwise, I'm not really fussed. So yeah, d- doing an adaptation of of something, I'm really not bothered if if it really affects the continuity of of, of whatever. Because yeah, yeah. I, I still think you can appreciate the original. If they didn't appreciate it, they wouldn't be adapting it. So there's a, yeah. there's a good point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think with Doctor Who, though, even if something, if one thing contradicts another, you can always draw a line of continuity in some way. I think yeah. with with human nature in particular, I think it was Paul Cornell who wrote that. And yes. mm-hmm. for Doctor Who Lockdown, he wrote a short piece which connected them all. Oh, so, right, okay. I so they do have that. a shared continuity. Uh, which I suppose is fun. I mean, I suppose that's really getting into the... Then I think you're probably causing a bit of problems because then it's sort of like, right, um, we've got these two stories which effectively are the same in a lot of ways. Uh, it's so really whatever the story is, it's happened to the Doctor twice. Yeah. And there's a, but, a few yeah. things. like You know the, the Mary Shelley thing bugs me. Bugs the uh, yes. Me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, like, I, I don't mind Big Finish being contradicted, but, like, I, I always took the Mary Shelley thing as um, an important part of that in my head canon, And mm. and then the TV show's contradicting that. But I, I guess it could, have, it could have been wiped because of the time war or whatever. But, uh, mm. I don't know. N- N- Chibnall's never commented on this. Why are people not like mobbing them and making them answer for it? I think because he's getting mobbed for an awful lot of other stuff. Give the man a break, Rob. <laughs> that might be the straw that breaks the camel back, camel's back. Leave the guy alone, poor bloke. Um, no, yeah, I, I get that, that. That's a bit irritating. But I'll, I'll just ask you something, Rob, because do, are you still able to go back to those original Mary Shelley stories and still enjoy them? Yeah, of course. And you know when you when when you've gone back to them, are you st- are you still fully you know reveling in the story and not sort of being niggled in the back of just going oh but the Jodie Whittaker era, you know th- are you still able to like fully immerse in the story? Yeah, like the Jodie Whittaker stuff hasn't left a bit of taste in my mouth when I listen to those. In fact, it would be the other way around. Right. Okay. Like when I'm watching well, the TV TV stuff. Yeah. Well, well, in that case, I would. I mean, obviously, you know, you're a mind rob. I don't want to tell you what to think, but I, I, I would, I would suggest then that, in which case, there isn't much of a problem. The reason being is because in this instance, you've got those stories that you still love and appreciate and enjoy, and can go back and still enjoy them. Whereas the the villa of Diodanti's story you can go well as much as because I, I think we both like that episode but i think you know you could always go well i don't 
really have to go back and rewatch it. Well, we'll try not to be too negative. I know we're not. <laughs> <laughs> um, so how's your week been? It's been a good week. It's been a busy one. Um, t- today, because we're recording this on Saturday, um, it's sort of... Cause the week's been fine, but I felt it really caught up with me. Um, so I was absolutely um, shattered from <laughs> for most of this morning. But it's been a uh, it's been a really good week. Not least of all, Rob, because you and I caught up finally. Oh yeah, we did. Mm. So I seen you for the first time in how long was it? Did you say four years or more? Um, all just shy of five years, I think. Well, now we've got that out of the way. I can catch up with you whenever. <laughs> Yeah, we finally got out the sort of like right. We got the awkward uh, bit out of yeah. the way. That's fine. So that's be what was holding us back. Like, oh, that'll just be awkward. We can't do that. <laughs> um, but if anyone wants to see how we got on, there is a Patreon video. Yeah, it was just spontaneous. Uh, just did a did a video and uh, went down memory lane. We actually visited somewhere. Um, way back from our past and did a bit of a video there but so if so if anyone's interested it's a patreon exclusive it's all there some we've had uh, some comments about it from our patrons who have enjoyed it and said they want more of that sort of thing it's so. a man and more liam <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll play i'll play a little preview from that no oh, okay okay which is uh, where Rob parked his all of, what, two minutes of that? Mm. So this just seems a complete waste of petrol, and I'm not paying for it. Yeah, I've actually paid for parking until t- 8 o'clock tomorrow. Have you? Why? I don't know, I just kept putting pounds in. <laughs> it said 8 o'clock, I was like, oh, that's, that's exciting stuff right there. <laughs> well, that's the very beginning of the video, it does get better. Yeah, it is uh, 10 or 15 minutes long. Mm-hmm. So, that was good. Um. So... Um, do we need to do a potential spoiler warning here? Because you were talking about uh, things that are adapted and hopefully when they're adapted, they offer like a surprise or something different. Hmm. Um, but we should also be cautious that it might follow it beat for beat or, or this comic book might present potential spoilers for, for people. Yes, that is true. So uh, what... It, so... The 60th anniversary is looking like uh, it will be um, an adaptation of this comic, or if not a direct adaptation, taking an awful lot from it. So if you want to go into the 60th anniversary special without having any idea of about this comic, um, probably advised not to listen to this podcast, just in case. Turn off uh, now. Yeah, turn it off now, just in case it, it does spoil that, because we will be going into the comic and... Um, Re- reviewing it all, telling you the full story and all the rest of it. So, yeah, it's a good point, Rob. Yeah. We'll do a quick shout out for the website, cloistervelpodcast.com, where you can visit our latest polling station where you can vote for Logopolis. That's live now. And let's see what else happened on the website. Well, I think Grant's earned a few more achievements on his profile and um, he gave us a review. Oh, nice. Well, I'm assuming it's nice. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> a re- review of Podcast 125, where we discussed the Keeper of, Tr- Keeper of Trarkin. He's gave it five stars out of five. An enjoyable romp from Tom Baker's last season as the Doctor, straight after the departure of Romana. Back from eSpace, and with Adric in tow, they receive a call to go to Trarkin, where all kinds of mystery and, and intrigue takes place. 
as usual, the guys run the podcast with their usual flair of enth- flair and enthusiasm. Always a comprehensive story summary and debate on the key points like, does the master have two tortoises? Yeah, thanks for that. Yeah, thanks. Um, if you'd like to rate or re- review the podcast or any specific episode, you can do that on the website. I'm just looking at some story facts for Star Beast. Um, one thing that was striking to me is uh, Star Beast was the original script title for 1979's Alien. Ah, okay. Yes, it was. Yeah, okay. So maybe some inspiration there. Well, I say inspiration. They just nicked it. Like they didn't use that, so we will. Um, it was published in eight parts between the fourteenth of February and the third of April, nineteen eighty, in the pages of Doctor Who Weekly. I've got a few of them around. So, how do you want to do this, Liam? Shall I take us through each of the issues, and we'll do a little summary for each and have a little little chat? Yeah, that sounds good. Good. So, um. Part one, so in the first issue, we have a full page covering of this spaceship blazing through the sky and crash landing at Black Castle Steel Mills. Is that a fictional town name? I think it is. Yep. It's been reported um, on the news of a UFO sighting in the sky, but they're saying it was just an explosion. Two school kids, Sharon and Fudge, follow a green slimy trail into a shed where they find Beep the Meep. So there's a lot going on in that opening, this big spaceship crashing into the steel mills. We've, we've got a lot of, like, um, steel works in the northeast, don't we? Like, down past, um, it's past Darlington, Redcar. Yes. They, rec- yeah, they re- recently closed down. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And then, yeah, we're introduced, introduced to these two characters. Um, we find Beep the Meep in the shed. Looking pretty cute. Um, did you enjoy the opening? Yeah, yeah, very much so. It's um, the the artist is uh, is Dave Gibbons, who um, is very well respected in um, comics, and you can see why. Um, it's fantastic. So the the first opening shot is seeing this huge spacecraft, um, flat, you know, crashing into um, an English. Uh, town and then pl- you know just plat and then the second frame is just plowing into these steel mills it's it's fantastic um it's it's wonderful black and white um artistry there have been um subsequent re-releases of it where it's been colorized and i think rob you've seen um some of those and i have and they do a good job but i i, re- I still love the original uh black and white print um and I th- you know it so it really the opening of it really grabs you it's it's action packed from the off you've got this massive spacecraft crashing in um then it's being reported on the news by someone who looks suspiciously like Angela Rippon mm. um denying it all um and then we cut to these two comprehensive school kids um wh- you know one of them is um quite down to earth that's um Sharon and you got this other kid who is obviously a big massive science fiction nerd uh he's managed to reel off all this this techno babble later on but it's uh it, it's really good and i think it it, cap- it captures doctor who 
uh, really rather well from from you know aliens crashing into the planet and then just cutting into the normal everyday of two comprehensive uh, school kids relishing in this thing and they're just coming across this really adorable cuddly looking thing um who just seems to t- just say meep meep yeah uh to begin with um yeah after uh, discovering him in a um in a shed and these two school kids um seeing that this a- this cuddly alien creature is um is injured and deciding to to look after it and then yeah. um, and then immediately from that we then cut back into space and then we That's right, we yeah. yeah we discover that um the wrath warriors um which are you know they look quite villainous and they're a wonderful contrast to what meep looks like it's a big cuddly thing and these are um exoskeleton massive beetle-like looking things with massive eyes you wouldn't want to meet them in a dark alley um and they got these massive claws and they're, they're talking about that the meep will die i'm quoting yeah. actual dialogue there uh and then the doctor arrives so it's ve- it's very quick paced yeah um, it, it, but it, because they're these like ar- archetypal villains mm. you think yeah they are of course they're bad of course the yeah. meep's nice mm-hmm. um and this sharon and fudge it's probably quite a good kind of character for the target audience you know like kids that the breeders could kind of empathize with so yeah the 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 doctor so we have the fourth doctor here and k9 arrive on the wrath warrior spaceship mm-hmm. and the doctor kind of departs the tardis and uh, with a massive sombrero on his head thinking he's in benedorm <laughs> uh, and he's yes. feeling feeling around for the light switch mm-hmm. but it turns around to be one of his wraith warrior's eyes and <laughs> um, he's soon attacked and k9 has his head knocked off which is nothing new, I know. It's happened in the show before. and But then one of these Wrath Warriors has this arm which extends out of its mouth, much like mm. the alien. Yeah, I was going to say, the first <laughs> thing that immediately came to mind was, I mean, it's, it's a, it, there's a slight difference in that this this thing has five digits and is able to to grasp stuff. But yeah, the first thing was just like, that's clearly nicked from alien. Yeah, it's more like a, an arm and a hand. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. And so that's the end of issue one mm-hmm. and the doctor passes out so part two is the human bomb mm. so the kids take meep do do they call him beep in this or is it just the meep i think beep comes later on i later think on. um yeah once they know who he is yeah um so they take the meep back to fudge's house where mm. and um yeah meanwhile the doctor is rendered unconscious by the the wrath warriors and they operate on him and put a bomb in his stomach yeah <laughs> so now he's this living bomb and he'll be used to destroy the meep <laughs> the doctor is then set free wait a minute if they're going to destroy the meep i thought they needed to take him in for his crimes i think it's like one of those things of we'll take him dead or alive okay fair enough <laughs> Um, so yeah, the, the doctor is set free, but he's made to believe he's escaped. Um, yeah. And when he's safely back aboard the TARDIS, he picks up a news report on the TV about the steel mill incident. So he mm. wanted to check it out. 
However, he's unaware that the Wrath Warriors are on board the TARDIS, watching him from behind a doorway. Because mm. uh, um, the, the Wrath Warriors at this point uh, think that the Doctor is a spy for Beep the Meep. Yes. Yeah, they're not just picking some randomer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Loose. Yeah, yeah. Because um, obviously later on with the story, there's a, there's a bit of a flip on who we think the villains are and who the good guy is and so on. Yeah. So at this moment, it it narratively, it's you know, it's imperative that they they think that the Doctor is in league with the uh, with Beep the Meep. So this takes us onto issue three, the mm. hunt. Yeah. The Doctor begins repairing K nine. And K-9 goes through a bit of an identity crisis, first threatening to slit the Doctor's throat from ear to ear, then thinking he's a cat. He departs the TARDIS, and the Wraith Warriors follow. Sharon and Fudge discover the Meep's crashed ship, and soon Sharon's captured. The Doctor arrives and also boards the ship, and kind of sneaks in behind Fudge in the control room and shoots a laser bolt at the Wrath Warriors. And then he escapes with the kids. They all head back to Fudge's house and find the Meep and Mrs. Higgins, which is um, Fudge's mother, yeah? I presume. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. She's and a she's, great character. I she's like great. She's probably one of my favourites in this. Yeah. She's hanging up the washing and Meep's out in the garden with her, the Meep. Um, she thinks Fudge just got him from the pet shop. Yeah. She's yeah. Like, no, he's from another galaxy moment. She's like, oh, that's nice, dear. If that's cut from the TV version, I'll be pretty sad. Yeah, that, that that's something that needs to be kept in. Um, the Doctor thinks they got um, away too easily. Mm. And from all this, he suspects his stomach ache is from a bomb. And he's like, I'm a living bomb. And then the wraiths press the detonator. And that's the big cliffhanger of issue three. Good story. Yeah, I'm enjoying it so far. Yeah. So, part four, Doctor Death. So, uh, the cliffhanger in the last one was a bit of a cheat, because we had the Doctor saying he's a bomb, then someone presses the de- detonator. Mm-hmm. Um, so, this jumps back to the Doctor. So, acting fast, he nicks some lead off Mrs. Higgins' roof, and <laughs> shield- shields his stomach from the detonation signal. She's not happy about that. No, 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 she's no. not. So the Meep finally speaks up. So now you can talk. Yeah. Um, he tells of a dark day when the Wrath Warriors invaded his planet and now he's the last of the Meeps. But we learn at this stage, this is one of the main spoils, spoilers I was talking about earlier. We learn that the Meep is bad. <gasps> yes, we do. Yeah. So he's a bit of a bad guy. We hear his terrible thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, at this point, because um, I think we, the readers, start to learn that, oh, maybe Beep the Meep isn't as cute and adorable and innocent as we once thought. Um, the the Doctor uh, builds this gadget up to, to blind... Uh, the Wrath Warriors. Oh yeah, the Fizz gig. The Fizz gig, yeah, yeah, because he he, he realises that they, they see best in, uh, in the dark, so a bright light will, will effectively blind them. I really love the artwork for this, because he just cobbles it together from household objects, and you can actually see that there's a torch, there's batteries, there's half an a hairdryer, there's an iron, yeah, um, a plug. 
something that you could see that them doing in the television series as well but it's just a really nice i, I really like the art i mean i like i like the the artwork through, throughout the whole of this story yeah um, he even takes fudge's gum oh yes yeah yeah and he says he wants it right back later um yeah. but it's it's great as well with the, with the artwork of how beep the meat looks cute and adorable and then just by changing uh the pupils in his eyes and seeing his teeth which are pointy now now <laughs> you can tell he's evil but it, it's an obvious thing to do but it's done incredibly effectively but at this point as you said rob we also are able to to read his thoughts um the, there's something actually really rather comic about it about you know what's happening in the juxtaposition of what he's thinking um especially because sharon has been um you know, petting him effectively. And then yeah. when this is going on, you're hearing him go, um, you stupid earth creatures, it was easy for a superior intelligence to fool you. And then go, you know, and when Sharon's petting him going, but it is still distasteful to have this earth child stroking the fur of the most high. He who commands have made a thousand planets tremble. And that, that's the sort of thing. So this... <laughs> and he's got the cutest eyes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, this is happening. It's just, it is really rather funny. I hope they capture that well on screen. Yeah. Fingers crossed. So the doctor activates his fizz gig, mm-hmm. which he kind of cobbled together. And the light dazzles the infrared eyes of the Wrath Warriors, which are hiding... I think they're hiding in the rhubarb patch at the bottom of the garden. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the Meep has a gun hidden in a secret pouch. Mm. And he kills one. Yeah, I think that's probably the most iconic image of, of this comic. I think most Doctor Who fans will, will, will know what this looks like. There's this great shot of Beep the Meep having just pulled the, this gun out of his secret pouch and blasting it. It's a, I think you know which one I mean, Rob. Yeah. yeah. Suddenly, the Meep pulls a gun from a hidden pouch and it just comes from his tummy. Yeah, yeah. Meep, Meep. His, as he, as his he, tongue, you know, his tongue stuck hanging out. And, yeah, yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a great image. Absolutely love it. Yeah. Um, the doctor's not impressed at this point, and uh, Meep kind of cowers in guilt. <laughs> yeah, and again, you've got this wonderful ju- uh, juxtaposition of, of, you know, hearing, well, reading what he's saying, which is, don't be angry with me, doctor, I fired because I was f- f- frightened, I'm only a little Meep. Whilst at the same time, he's thinking, he dares rebukes the most high, whole <laughs> planets have been destroyed for less, and you know, just, yeah. it's great stuff. Yeah, and then... The Most High will use the Doctor and the others to help him escape. Then they shall die horribly. <laughs> yeah. And the next issue, Revenge of Wrath. <laughs> what a great title. We're on issue five now. Sharon, the Meep and the Doctor, escape on a bus heading for the steel mills. And um, I guess they just leave Fudge behind. Mm-hmm. And the Doctor gets off the bus early to head back for Fudge and Mrs. Higgins. Um... So Sharon and the Meep go off together to the steel mills. Oh, no. <laughs> then uh, he arrives back at Mrs. Higgins' place, um, and the pair are being interrogated by the Wrath Warriors. And the Doctor shows the w- Warriors his credentials. Mm-hmm. He pulls his, um, like his TARDIS key out and a few other things, and one of them is a medal for defeating the Cybermen. Mm-hmm. And... They're like, yeah, of course we've heard of the Cybermen, even in our galaxy. And um, they introduce themselves. So we've got Sergeant Zogoroth, Zogoroth and Zrig. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
and uh, they tell the true story of the Meep. Yeah. So, as the story goes, the Meeps were lovely until their planet drifted close to a black sun, and then it mutated them into cruel beasts who lived for conquest. Yeah, so uh, this... this is the thing with... Sorry to interrupt, Rob, because um, <laughs> when I was a kid, I, I, I used to buy old uh, editions of Doctor Who magazine, or Doctor Who Weekly, as it was when this was originally published. And I came across the ones which uh, had Star Beast in originally, and I loved it. Um, but it's actually this episode I remember the most, uh, especially beginning the way that it begins with the Doctor, Sharon... Beep the Meep escaping on a on a number seven A bus, which I just think's great. Just escaping on a double decker. There's just this moment of um, when the Doctor goes back and has a conversation with the the Wrath Warriors um, to, to try and find out what's going on. He's having a conversation, and one of the bits I always remembered uh, was when he tells Mrs. Higgins, "I think we could all do with a nice cup of tea. Just eight sugars in mine." <laughs> um, that was stuck with me because I just thought it was funny and then just Mrs. Higgins going uh, uh, looking a bit sort of like confused and just going uh, I'll put yeah. the kettle on and she goes off and <laughs> does that and I just think there's something really rather just fantastic and again it's that wonderful juxtaposition of intergalactic troubles and just making a cup of tea with, with just eight sugars um, <laughs> yeah oh god it'd be so sweet to be awful but yeah. and then it's actually quite funny because when we're hearing the story, as you're saying, Rob, we finally start to get the the truth of um, the Meeps, and we have the artwork have tells singing. a great story. It does. It's really great. So we have we have them originally with uh, just it's like a paradise. They're playing yeah. Ring and Rosie. Yeah, singing Meep. and dancing, and then later Meep. on we've got this. Hang on, I am going to come to the songs, Rob. Um, but then we have the other one where they just march, you know, they're waving flags and they've, you know, they, they've got guns and knives and they're going into the spaceship. And then, and then with the last shot, we've, we've got them where they, they've clearly just pillaged all these planets of, uh, their riches and wealths and food and they're just executing people. Yeah. There's a couple of them in crowns, mm. slipping wine and drooling with all the jewels and their fruit. Yeah. Just being entertained by a, an execution yeah and we have a, we have an old execution now with like a like a face mask and a massive massive guillotine mm, yeah um and it's again fantastic artwork but of course we have some great songs don't we rob so back in the early days when they were just absolutely lovely and sweet and delightful beings we go hop skip jump and sing for jolly moops meeps all in a ring just go right okay <laughs> bit saccharine Ugh. and then of course when they're bloodthirsty warmongering is it's hey ho hey ho it's off to war we go um and then and then when they're executors just hoppity hop boppity bop who's next for the chop <laughs> so even though they're transmogrified into these absolutely awful warmongering executing loving beings uh just relishing in violence and and, and massacring people they still managed to retain that little bit of whatever it was which made them sweet and likable but they've just changed the lyrics to to be absolutely despicable <laughs> creatures <laughs> yeah it's great stuff yeah so the star council um i think they want to put a stop to this hmm. so they order the wrath warriors to battle the meeps and um this war rages on possibly for years and um it ends with them in pursuit of beep the meep 
presumably the the last. Was he one of the royals? Um, hang on, I've got the quality. I think they said. Oh, he may have been actually. I mean, he, on his um, when the Wrath Warriors show this tablet to the Doctor. Oh yeah, it's, it's got a picture of him on a cane with a crown and a pearl necklace, and I. Which matches what? Sorry, oh, yeah, I was going to say. You know when we were talking shot, about? Yeah. yeah, it matches that uh, that image where he's with. Um, he must have had a queen then, who's next to him, because he's one of those people just like devouring uh, a whole lot of food and drooling over yeah. wine and stuff. Yeah, so he was one of the wild royals. Yeah. Oh yeah, and they do say capture dead or dead or alive. That's mm. right. Yeah. Um. And this is when the horror hits the doctor that uh, he sent Sharon off with the Meep. So that's the big cliffhanger there. Mm. So this takes us into part six, Hour of the Beast. Well, uh, all these titles can end with an exclamation. <laughs> <laughs> Hour of the Beast. Yeah, you should you should shout the last word. <laughs> so uh, the Wraith Warriors, Wrath? Why, why am I saying Wraith? The Wrath Warriors and the doctor enjoy some tea and some cake. Thanks to Mrs. Hmm. Higgins. And they're having a nice, a nice little tea party. <laughs> yeah. Sharon and the Meep sneak past the unit soldiers at the steel, steel mills. And they head for the crashed ship. And then they're confronted by a unit soldier. Meep shoots him dead. Of course, Sharon's horrified. But he assures her that um, it was just a stun beam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The Meep activates the ship. And a strange black orb at its core sends out rays which affect the unit soldiers. The Doctor arrives with the Wrath Warriors and observes the unit soldiers being used as drones for the Meep to repair the ship. Even Sharon's affected. The Doctor gets Sharon's attention by hitting her with a paper spaceship. She tries to kill him and they fall from a platform. And that's how it kind of ends. So... Should we look over some of the artwork for that? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, very detailed scene of the of the uh, tea and cake, and the warriors are using the mouth mouth arm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, what do you think of this issue then? I think you know it was uh, it was still good, still effective. You've got that that nice stuff that I was talking about in the previous. You know where they, where we're seeing seeing them all just. Uh, Drinking tea and eating cake, thanks to Mrs. Higgins. You know, and the fact, you know, she's going, more tea, Constable Zeig. You know, it's just, you know, stuff like that. The fact that we've got uh, the unit sh- soldiers uh, is quite a nice touch. They didn't they didn't have to be unit. They could have just been sort of like the regular army, but that is a nice touch. I like all that. We've um, The fact that they're later turned into drones serving Beep the Meep. Um, you know, is that typical horror that Doctor Who always tends to do you you know mind control the fact it affects sharon's quite a, a strong dyna- you know dramatic moment especially with the artwork where we've got we've got this very good close up of her and she's got these black eyes and she's just going how she wants to kill the doctor yeah it's quite doctor you know, kill yeah it's it's a very strong bold shocking image but it works very well um mm-hmm. So yeah, what about you? What did you think? Oh, I quite like it. Um, it was a great touch bringing in a unit. Yeah. Um, I like Meep the Beeps, um, Beep the Meeps command chair. 
he has this little little pod that he sits in with yeah. extendable legs. Mm-hmm. That was a nice touch. So, should we look at the next one? Yeah. Um, countdown to Apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. After the Doctor and Sharon fall, you know, they don't fall to the death, they just they just land. Mm-hmm. And the impact must kind of shake Sharon out of it. So she's returning to normal. The Meep plans to make the make a star jump with his ship, but do it from Earth, which would have like, you know, a catastrophic effect. Because you shouldn't be doing that um from a planet. Um the doctor pulls over the Meep's command chair with a scarf and then they leg it. The ship's being prepared for takeoff um, as the unit soldiers are pulling it somehow. Uh, but the Doctor's tampering with it and soon after the Meep confronts him. They're taken away and the Meep activates the Black Sun. Is it a Black Sun? Black Orb? Yeah, the core. Mm-hmm. Um, and as it is um, activated, Black Castle um, is kind of ripped apart and into this black hole vortex and the Doctor is subjected to this crushing gravity at the centre of it and that summarises the whole whole issue there yeah I think again it's another uh, good one I think at, at this point uh, um, it's just it's effectively you know just continuing what we already know it's, uh, it's it could be argued it's the bit of padding in the story just to get it out another issue simply because you know we already know what uh people meep is uh is attempting to do and what the risk is but i still think it's a good uh it's a good it's a good issue um again it's got some nice moments um the the chair that you were saying that uh beep is in uh the the legs extend and the fact that you know the doctor's up in the spaceship and beep the meeps extend his legs and so he's you know they're both high up and having a conversation and the doctor's just saying you know you look cute in your most high chair would you like a rusk um and then that really <laughs> that really pisses him off you go too far doctor um uh yeah i just you know it's it's still really delightful and again the artwork's fantastic and especially with the the last shot where we see or oh, the vortex the the vortex black castle broken up going into it and the way that he um uh the artist has incorporated the doctor's face in into that artwork to show that he's in you know great pain is uh again a really good cliffhanger to the story but just really really good artwork so this takes us to oh, the final one star death just one <laughs> word with an exclamation <laughs> Yeah. So Matt stabilizes and the Wrath Warriors rescue the Doctor. He explains to them that he'd reduced the power of the Meep's star drive. As the steelworks is destroyed, um, it's kind of melting away, everyone flees to the TARDIS for safety. And this is where it's full of steelworkers, <laughs> unit soldiers, and Wrath Warriors. Mm-hmm. And even K9, he's up on the time row at Perrin. So, yeah, yeah. Something has there been any any or many situations where the TARDIS has got this crowded? Um, I don't know. I th- the only, there's only two stories that uh, that immediately come to mind with the sort of like a crowd of people in the TARDIS. One's Time in the Rani, uh, in the last episode, I think. Hmm. 
And there's the David Tennant episode where they get, um, oh, what's it called? I think it's Donna's last story as a as a full companion. What you know, it's the Daleks and Davros and the reality bomb and what's that? Oh called? yeah, well, um, the I don't know. <laughs> anyway, that story. Yeah, but they were kind of all the companions in the crew. Yeah, yeah. But like, he never rescues everybody because mm-hmm. that seems a bit of a cheat <laughs> mm. but um yeah in this case it, it, it happens the the wrath warrior ship arrives to capture the meeps ship and they take him in um and they rescue sharon because she was on um beeps ship the the meeps taken away to answer for his crimes he cries and tries to get sympathy from Sharon but she isn't fooled um, and then he's taken away the doctor's bomb is eventually removed <laughs> I'd forgotten about that <laughs> and he says farewell to the Wrath Warriors and um, they even suggest that he takes a holiday on their homeworld yeah um, did they say because it's got sulfuric seas or <laughs> yeah uh, the sulf Sulfuric acid seas and the delight uh, are delightful, and the smell from the methane bogs, mmm, it's good. Mm, yeah. So the doctor thinks, like, well, that sounds better than Benidorm. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then we have a good scene at the end where Sharon enters the TARDIS and they begin travelling together. So, yeah, this this final story was pretty much just. A wrapping up conclusion but yeah well-rounded story it introduces some new characters one of which becomes a new companion mm-hmm. it obviously introduced a very memorable villain um because um it's someone who's even trended on twitter before <laughs> yeah yeah when um when the i think the first trailer for the 60th anniversary dropped and I had Beep the Meep in it. it. Beep the Meep was trending on Twitter, uh, which I just, you know, uh, I never saw that day coming. But there you are. Did we get any feedback for this one? I, uh, I'm not sure. I don't think we did. Maybe, maybe we didn't. Oh, let's let's just double check. Of course, we did a poll. Um, this is all at our polling station at the, at the website. So if you visit closetobellpodcast.com. Um, every week while we're on the air, we'll we'll put up a new polling station, and we'll then we'll read the results, and the feedback. So our results for the poll is sixty six percent good, thirty three percent average, zero bad. Oh, okay. Yeah. Don't know who said average. Uh, <laughs> we uh we got one piece of feedback from Mark. He oh, said, okay. I've never read it, hashtag bad fan, although I have pre-ordered the Fourth Doctor anthology, which comes out in November. Good man. All right, okay, so I take it that the, the comic's included in that. It must be. Shall I look this up? Do you think it's a colourised one? Yeah, the, uh, yeah. Who? look that up. Because uh, I was going to say, so um, Rob had this and kindly lent it to me so I could reread it. Um, in a, it's called. It was called Doctor Who: The Iron Legion, and that was a. Um, that included several uh, comics, including uh, Star Beast, 
I think it's out of print now, and I think oh, it's right. going for. I mean, when it originally came out, it was fifteen pounds, but I think it goes for fifty quid plus from from what I saw on uh, on eBay. Right. So if it, if it's being re released later this year, I think uh, yeah, that'll be that'll be great. I think uh, that'll give the opportunity for for more people to to read it. Yeah, I I can't remember when that one came out. I think that was printed, the collected issue that you've got, yeah. um, at the time of the of the series revi- revival, um, and I've got a, I've got the full collection of those. Oh, right, um, okay. Yeah, there's a few of the Tom. That's volume one, and there's a couple of Tom Baker ones, um, Peter Davison, Colin Baker, Sylvester McCoy. Yeah. Um because there was such a large amount of eighth doctor ones the eighth doctor one is in four volumes and they're all colorized um so yeah i quite like that little collection yeah it says it was uh, published in 2004 all oh, right okay um I th- i'm sure is it, it maybe in pete from pull to open had shared a, a picture cuz he's got a colorized version probably one of the more modern colorized versions but um it was not printed in the uk it might have been um under idw's license okay who who, who does the modern comics um sorry i was looking up what martin mentioned what was it doctor who anthology yes yeah um so panini has the fourth doctor anthology um pre-order it's only 30 quid uh, and from the looks of it they're all in black and white okay I don't think it's like a volume one or anything so it might I've got I think I've got two collected issues with the fourth doctor stuff so this might combine them all Um, so it's probably it's it's probably the same price I paid for the two volumes um, mm-hmm. 20 years ago that's cool though yeah yeah and it's it, it, yeah, because I'm just looking at it now, and yeah, it, it's the so it's the original black and white um, artwork. Yeah, so it good heads up for that, Mark. I had no idea that was coming out later this year. It does look really good, and yeah, I think it is what would have been the original volume one and two that you bought, Rob, um, included into just one volume. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it does look really good. I might get that myself. Actually, I'm very tempted. Well, thanks to everyone who voted. Uh, we've just opened our poll- polling station on the website, so um, maybe not everybody knows about it, but we'll do that every week that we are recording. Um, and you can also send us your feedback to feedback at com. If you want to send a one-minute audio clip or an email, whatever, that'd be great. Um, this gets us on to our conclusion... Um, what would you give it, Liam? Good average or bad? I think it's good. Um, it's a Doctor Who comic that's always stuck with me. I've always remembered it, um, including bits of dialogue. I've always found it delightful. It, it's been many years since I've read it. Coming back to it again, I still found it an absolute delight. I'm still not sure what happens to Black Castle at the end of the story. Uh, I mean, I'm assume, I assume that. Black Castle. Well, I've fun. never heard of it in reality, so maybe it just got deleted. Oh yeah, it's <laughs> no, I'm, oh, I'm right. sure. Completely <laughs> maybe it got all restored. Uh, yeah, I assume so. It's not quite made clear in the story, so I think that's probably the only 
quibble I would have with it. But otherwise, I just think, it, yeah, it's an awful lot of fun. I really, really enjoyed it. So it's good for me. How about you? Yeah, I felt the same. And it's got all those like kind of hallmarks of a comic where it has the humor and the silliness um, and the excitement. Mm. But I'm, I'm not a big comic reader now. There might be some new things I might get, but generally... I don't know what the new ones would be like. Like if I went and got out some of the new comics that were published by, is it IDW? I've done them in recent the recent um, 15, 20 years. Like would they have the same silliness and wit that like the Beano and Danny would have mm. that, that this has? Um, I would hope so, but um, I don't know, maybe not. Who knows? Mm. Are you not a big comic reader? No, not massively. I've got a friend of mine who, you know, massively into comics, and he always uh, updates me, you know, what he's reading and stuff. Um, I can't remember the last comic that I read. I sort of like a dip in and out, you know, once in a while. Um, I remember uh, going through a phase of reading a lot of Alan Moore um, stuff a while back, particularly the, the the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen series, which he did, and oh. I remember enjoying those and thinking they were really. Im- imaginative engaging and a, a very clever use of of literary characters um uh, with what what he did with that so i remember enjoying that there's a great one called alice in sunderland uh which i read years ago but that that was a lot of fun that was a sort of history of the northeast but tied in with lewis carroll and his creation of alice in wonderland and how these two disparate things actually that there is a bit of a connection and stuff um and that has a great that that's definitely a, a comic I would recommend uh, people to read, um, and it has a wonderful use of different comic styles. Include you know uh, it has, you know the type that you would recognise with the artist Alan Moore has has used. The um, I've forgotten the author now, but he actually got one of the original Beano artists to come out of retirement and do a couple of pages for that. So you've got Beano style illustration wow. like it yeah it's great it's really rich you've got the the sort of like the history of the northeast of england with lewis carroll alice in wonderland and also a history of comic art all tied up in the way there's a lot going on but it's incredibly readable and that is a, yeah that, that's really that sounds good. really nice yeah yeah that is good i've been reading a lot of the classic dark horse comics alien series lately mm-hmm. um like over the last 10 years i've I bought a lot of the, the, the fancy collected editions, the big hardbacks. Um, and since the Disney takeover of 20th Century Fox, Marvel has taken over the Aliens comics okay. and, the Predator, and the Predator ones. Right. Um, I haven't gotten into the new, the new ranges from Marvel, but Marvel has been reprinting all the, the classic Dark Horse comics ranges. Um, and I'm 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 tempted by some of them. I mean, some of them, you know, I've already got once or twice over. And like this first volume, I was looking at it's 130 pound, but it collects so much in one big hardback. And um, it's got different variations in, and different colours and um, different versions with names and things. Um, so it would be a variant I'd have on my shelf. It's a lot of money for something I've already mm. got. But it's yeah. nice that it's nice nice that um they are reprinting and and reissuing these for 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 others to kind of buy, and mm-hmm. um, because since Dark Horse was discontinued, I was thinking, well, 
a lot of these are going to be kind of high value collected things um so yeah it's nice to get them reprinted yeah, yeah that is good so i think this is the end liam um what's coming next time so yes um it's the end but the moment has been prepared for um we will be doing our last podcast uh, for a short while because uh, we'll be taking a bit of a break and then effectively doing a bit of a relaunch um uh later on uh in the year um and have a much more regular scheduled podcast but we will be having a special guest on uh, for next week's podcast where we we were reviewing tom baker's final televised story logopolis looking forward to it so Mm. uh, it'll also be a big birthday bonanza my birthday it'll be coming out on yep that's that's the main event oh yeah, yeah that's the main event yeah 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 um so last call to action please do visit the Poland station at kleisterbellpodcast.com. Just go to the homepage, scroll down a bit, and it'll be there. No need to log in, just click your vote, good, average, or bad. Hmm. Well, um, thanks for listening. Thanks to the patrons for your continued support. And thanks to you, Liam. No, thank you, Rob. And see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. The TARDIS Cloisterbell. Imminent disaster. The cloister bell? Yes. What's that? Well, it's a sort of communications device reserved for wild catastrophes and sudden calls to man the battle stations. That's the cloister bell. Don't worry about that for now. It's not really terribly significant. The cloister bell? Oh, no.